Okay, guys, there's been lots of talk about the borders open and lots of students about to arrive on our shores. We're going to address it this morning. So it's been a big topic in the news for the last couple of weeks. The borders from China are open to the rest of the world um, and lots and lots of students about to arrive on the shores. And I tell you what, I felt like we were um, certainly privy to it last night. We went to an amazing function, didn't we? Morgan Stanley function. They can put on a do. Yeah, wow. They can put on a do. What a room of beautiful people. But um, there was an enormous amount of translation going on from English to Cantonese, I think it was, was it, Mark? Yeah, Mandarin, Cantonese, bit of everything. Yeah, um, because the 250 people that were in the room were fresh um, from China. So, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of people that are arriving into our country. We're going to address that this morning. And then also the um, 40,000 odd students that I think are about to hit our shores from next week. It's big numbers. It's big numbers. And in a market, you know what, I'll, something I can't get over is it's just so much change. Yeah. Like, and it's so unpredictable. Um, from one, uh, every three months is completely different. So, again, I think we're coming out of 2020, you know, COVID, stuff like that, just every year, every quarter, you've sort of really got to be on your toes as a, as, as not just a business person but anyone. Like yeah. Interest rates change. Like, just incredible. It, it is quite incredible, actually. Um, I've, I'm, I find myself doing a lot of research all the time now because there is just so much that is changing. I did an article for Domain, actually, the other day, and um, the reporter, lovely lady, the reporter started off saying to me, oh, our, you know, um, quarter's just come out and I just want to verify a few things with you. And I actually said to her, but the data that you have is actually coming from um, October or mm. November. Mm. And so much has changed in real estate since then because if only we could pull on data from the last two weeks and not the last three months, because it's not relevant anymore, Mark, no, going back right. three months. That's right. And look, I think I think when you see the, <clears throat> the building, the, the, there's what we're approaching or what we're coming upon as a property industry is a shortage. Um, and building costs have helped that um, going through the roof. Uh, rental Rentals being so hard to find have, have helped that. Well, where, um, where are the 40,000 students going to go? They're going to go somewhere. So but it's just they're going to pay more. Um, and then it gets even more, it gets harder um, to rent something. And, you know, in, in, in all sort of parts of Sydney now, it's just really hard. And how do, you, how do you deliver, when it's that hard, how do you deliver rental stock to the market fast? Because people can't wait for it to be yeah. approved and built two or three years later. This problem is now. So I think it's there's a chronic, Such a chronic valid shortage point. coming in. Chronic. So there's two different topics today, guys, that we were that we want to talk about. And it's um, the borders open from China to Australia. And what does that mean for real estate? Big topics. And the second topic, which we've just touched on, is um, 40,000 odd students that are going to be coming to um, Australia as well. Where are we going to put them all? Because there is a massive rental crisis at the moment 
Um, and it's not like we can just build buildings in the next four weeks to accommodate these people. No. But there was a really good article, Mark, that you pulled up um, the other day. Urban Task Force. Yeah. Ching. Yeah, it, it is there on our socials, guys, but it's really quite an interesting article. Interesting paper. Because what happened is is there's actually more than the normal influx of, of students coming in because our government has said to stop distance education. So it became, you're in, uh, you know, your family was in travel at least 10, 12 years. Education. 10, 10 15, sorry, in, in yeah. education 10, 15 years ago. And they were saying, what if students don't come in and what if we can educate them from a distance, from afar? What if we can give someone a degree from one of our universities here that are, and they're sitting in China? Well, the government's turned around now and said, we're not going to do it. Um, so that's forcing these guys to jump in a plane, yeah. come here and stay and come here and spend. And, and that will help um, with employment as well because yeah. I, I don't know how it is now, guys, but back then when we, we and we ran a very, my, my family ran a very large private college. ACNT. Um, ACNT, Australasian College of Natural Medicine. We had um, over 80 courses. And um, even back then, I mean, we sold it 15 years ago, and at that stage, it had three and a half thousand students. It was a massive business, um, but the vast majority of the students were coming from Asia. So, you know, and then we actually started to get into distance education, which became an enormous part of the business. I can't even imagine now as that being in that industry having to then quickly pivot yep. and, and having the facilities to be able to bring all those students in face for face-to-face -face learning. I also feel bad for the educators like the universities and the, and the technical and the colleges and stuff like that because how their business has changed. Again, yeah. they've had to pivot, COVID, pivot, this, pivot. Um, and we just got so good at doing everything online. Yeah. We just it, got so good at yeah. it. But I, I do think it's a good move from government. I think I think it brings an enormous amount of money. When these students come from overseas, I think there's an enormous influx yeah. of, of money um, in, into the country. It's well, a big, big help. We just started, um, uh, sorry, we, we talked the other day, Mark, about um, is the potential, there's so much empty office space in the city um, and was there a potential there to be able to transform that somehow into this accommodation, even if it was for students? It's in DY. Um, it's in DY. It's everywhere. So people decided, you know, when you wanted to have an office for one or two people, um, you sort of had to do it to maintain a professional standard, but COVID blew that up. Yeah. So, you know, DY, for instance, we had a build a five, six story building called DY Grand. Yeah. And DY Grand, we couldn't rent the whole place out for 12 years. Well, I never knew that actually. 12 years before the, it came on the market for rent. There was a bit of pre-marketing done to when the last person moved in, it was just an unwanted asset. Yeah. And council said, no, 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 people really want offices. But COVID put a big hole through that. Wow. And it made it respectable to, it made it cool to work from home and not have an office, big, small, large or medium, CBD, metro. But like CBD, metro there, there, there's certain areas of the CBD that are actually thriving. Um, and then there's certain, I feel like as you get right into the core of the CBD, there's a lot of empty office blocks there. Um, and as a lot of these leases are expiring, I don't believe that they're getting renewed. Um, you know, these a lot of these companies don't need these built-in big office spaces anymore. Surely something can be done there to convert that into some form of, um, you know, accommodation to assist with the Fast. housing situation that we're having. Fast. It's built. It's Fast. built. You know, yeah. to build a building, to build an apartment block three is years. Two, two, three years. 
um, and, and extraordinarily expensive. That's not without planning. Yeah, that's exactly right. Not getting approvals. And also there's not that much land left. You know, if you look around even the Northern Beaches markets, you know, where where's the land? You look around the CBD, where's the land? It's mm. not here. There's only so many buildings that we have. The China bull rush. So let's talk about China borders opening and what that means for real estate. What do you reckon? Well, I think everyone domestically saw the in the change in people's or the shift in people when they had a sea change or tree change um, locally. So I think it triggered a lot of people locally to say, you know what, I don't want to live in DY anymore. I want to live in the Central Coast. Or people in Mossman to say, you know what, I don't need to be going to the city five days a week. I'm going to move to Avalon. So it yeah. triggered a big local sea change and tree change for probably a good two years. We saw our property market really beef up as a result of it. But what would happen in people's mind when they think like that on an international scale? So when you're sitting, so when you're sitting in China and you're, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're well healed to be able to move anywhere in the world and you can choose where you'd like to go, Australia was always on the top of the shopping list for a lot of countries. Yeah. And I think now all borders are open in all countries. People are now triggering their sea change, tree change on an international But good scale. reason why as well. I mean, you know, we have great, for, for the obvious reasons, maybe they're not so obvious to, to everyone who's watching, but education, um, climate, health and safety we you know uh, we have so much here that i mean you know again the health system i mean we have so much here to offer um and funnily enough or not funnily enough but you know there, there is going to be um an influx of buyers coming into our country there is no doubt about it i actually had a chinese buyer yesterday um a, a friend of theirs who contacted me and said They've got five mil to spend. Have you got something they need to buy immediately? They're in shared housing at the moment. So someone who has a budget of $5 million to spend on a property to buy it immediately was actually staying in shared housing. They couldn't find anywhere to stay. So, and I think we're going to hear this story more and more and more. Um, what's that going to do to the pro property market? I think there's, and again, these are our opinions, guys. Um, I think there's quite a lot that's going on behind the scenes. The government's probably going, you know what, we've got some issues here with, uh, um, uh, you know, with finance. Let's get these guys in and let's get them buying up property and helping with the economy. It's not a bad idea. Um, in terms of what it's going to do to the property market, at the moment, if you swing around 360, in most parts of particularly Sydney, uh, there's not an enormous amount of stock on the market at the moment. So I you, think that's going to have a really positive effect on our property market. Do you think the China rush when Chinese come and buy Australian property is not a good thing? Like, because I think the government turned around a couple of years ago and they tripled stamp duty for people buying overseas here. Um, yeah, but that was pre-COVID, Mark. Yeah, that was pre-COVID. I, I think the the, the, the world. I the think world, they actually turned the tap off too hard. I think they turned the tap off too hard. Things were different. The economy was different. The world was different. Um, mm. I think we can all confident confidently say that the world now, how we're all living in it, is kind of divided up between pre-COVID and post-COVID. It's a very different world now. 
Um, and I, I think Chinese have been buying for 30, 20, 30 years hardcore in this country. And I think we are, we've actually been, we've always had different waves of immigration. Immigration's built our country. Um, you but know, we have a heavy Chinese culture. Heavy. And I think population growth growth is not enough to propel us forward. It's, um, it's immigration's always helped it. And that, that's how it seems to work on an, yeah. on an international scale with anyone. And because we're desirable, I think it's great. But if you look every 10 years at our country, look back, there was a huge immigration of Italians for a 10-year period. Mm. Then there was a huge immigration of Greeks for a 10-year period. They generally didn't overlap a lot. Every sort of 10 years, yeah. like one was 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Then there was an Indonesian migration, a huge Indonesian migration. Yeah. Uh, there was big Nepalese mo of late, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, into Brazilian. Yeah, right. So I think that, and that, but it seems the Chinese has been sort of fairly content, constant, in, uh, Indian. Yeah. Um, you know, big there. So it's good for our country, I think. Um, I, I think, again, these are our opinions, guys, but, you know, Chinese borders opening. It's got to have a positive effect um, on the property market. Yep. Um, someone actually had sent me a comment yesterday disagreeing, uh, and that's fine. Again, these are just our opinions because mm. they're saying, well, you know, if we get a big influx of, of, of Chinese or overseas buyers coming in, where are all the Australians going to live? Mm. Um, Too much of anything is no good. Yeah, well, that's right. Too exactly. much of anything is no good. It, it is a fine balance. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, really interesting to, to continue to watch what's going to happen um, month by month at the moment um, as the borders have opened and as these students come through, what's going to happen with employment. Because, you know, just back to the students, Mark, when we were running our, our private college, um, the students used to get 20 hours of work that they were able to do a week. I don't know that that's changed if you're coming in on a student visa, but that's going, again, surely that's going to help our employment situation. Yeah. I also think, guys, don't underestimate the... We might get into politics next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for me. Um, I, th I think also you've got to look at the... the uh, I know people look at economic drivers, but I think of the drivers behind the motivation of people coming from overseas... Um, last night was an interesting example where we went, uh, it was a fundraiser and uh, there was a boat for auction that went, went to the Sydney Children's Hospital of Funds. This is a Morgan Stanley event, guys, Stanley. that we were at There was a, um, in collaboration with St Vincent's Hospital. Yep. And then there was a uh, accommodation, a hotel accommodation um, for a night um, and then there was a photo shoot with the family. Um, the photo shoot for the family, which was a couple thousand dollars, went for 50 grand. So usually usually with these charity auctions, the big prize is the number one auction item, the second biggest prize is the number two auction item, and then, you know, so on and so forth. So this one was the fifth auction item, which was meant to be the least, um, I, I guess, you know, exclusive valuable. or the least valuable of all of them. And the crowd went bananas over this uh, over this photo shoot. So where I'm going with this is if you want to work out um, with foreign investors coming into this country what their motivation is, their, their number one by a long shot motivation is family. Yeah. Um, and they, they want the best. Like, uh, and off the back of last night's photo shoot, you know, that's how strongly they felt that they wanted, you know, that it was one of the, Mark Morphew, one of the best yeah. photographers in Australia. And uh, they, they were very proud to buy that for their family. My point is these, yeah, these, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. these guys coming into this country, 
it's all about family, yeah, um, which I love, and it's all about um, educating their kids with the best education. If your kid's rocking around with a UK education or an American education or an Australian education, there's an affiliation between all those, uh, mm. you know, educations. Or if you said it was from Kazakhstan, the education, yeah, probably, and and you're going to go get a job for an international company, they'd be going what? Oh, but Australia is really respected with education. So my point is when these guys are coming into this country, educating their kids, there is, there's, it, that, that, that's held very, very deeply in, in a lot of, yeah, in, a lot of in a lot of cultures. So tying that back to accommodation, tying that back to, 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 um, to Australia, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And again, look guys, you know, the levels of stock that we are seeing and we're talking about the Northern beaches, but I believe this is most parts of Sydney at the moment. They're still low. Mm. Um, you know, there was talks. I mean, Tom Panos, phenomenal, phenomenal person in our industry, um, was suggesting that it was just because it was January and that there'll be a big rush of stock coming on the market. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, and we just it, it, we just need to go back last January, the January prior, the January prior, the January prior, to actually see what the themes were for those particular months. Um, this one's different. Mm. This one is different. And I was saying it right from the beginning of the new year, this is an unusual amount of buyer activity. Um, has that had an effect on property prices? Yes, it has a little bit. We have seen a spike um, in most uh, for most properties right across the board. We sold a two-bedroom apartment a few days ago in DY. Um Lovely apartment, but there's, you know, about another 30 or 40 of them on the market and they're low levels, believe it or not. And that sold for 885000 We were selling those last year mm. for eight fifty. Oh, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Well, there, there, there's your little mini spike. Yeah, and not only that, in addition to everything, everything we spoke about today, I want people to have a good, long, hard think about how punished landlords are being and have been in the last seven years oh absolutely yeah absolutely punished yeah absolutely punished so you know it all started when they put the interest rate up one percent more yeah for an owner for a uh, an investor more than an owner occupier historically over 50 years never happened they punished the landlord 20 percent more um on average um, the difference between a, an owner-occupied owner rate and an interest and an investor rate was about twenty percent. Yeah, they punished them um, as a result, and land tax and just the waves. Just yeah, but we're coming. still not seeing and, we're and still then, not seeing urgent sales. No, we're still not seeing the guys. No, no one is calling up saying I have to sell. The interest rates have got me. I've got no money. Get my property not on the market. Thing. No one, no one's doing that, guys. But when those punished landlords saw huge prices on that pro on their own properties, they just sold them. Yep. And then what did that do? It's now just put pressure on our on our rental market because all the landlords jumped out. They were not incentivized enough. They were punished for so long. They were at an all time high with price, and they went, "I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell the rental property." Yeah. Yeah. And now rents have come up, but you know everyone goes, "Oh, well, rents have come up, and that'll just help them pay." Um, you know, for their extra mortgage repayments. But a lot of properties, certainly a lot of properties that we manage are in fixed leases. There's nothing you can do. And if you're in a fixed lease and your rental is set at $650 a week and you've got a 10-month lease, well, you're not putting rent up. It's not going to happen. 
My my you gotta take, ride that out. My take from today is if you want to get more rental properties onto the market, incentivize the landlords. And at the moment, yeah. the tenants are trying to do it with their own pockets, and that's costing them more in rent, and that's it's putting pressure on affordability. But I think some of the stuff that um, governments whipped landlords with in the last seven years start peeling back. I think you may see interest rates for for investors come back to the same to the same um, level as owner occupied. Well, they were talking about start that last night. Start incentivizing. Them. Yeah, yeah. Start they were talking about that last landlords. night at the Morgan Stanley more, event. More rental properties will come on as a result. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But you know, they were suggesting last night two more interest rate rises. Um, and that likely those interest rates are going to start to taper off from at the end of the year. And Morgan Stanley, some clever, oh my god, clever people there. They really are. They were asking people to ask questions. I was too scared to ask questions. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I, was too, I was too dumb to. Um, no, you're not dumb. All right. <laughs> all done. right, guys, that's it. That's, that's the show. It. Yeah, that is the show. Um, lots of interesting topics there. China borders. Lots of students coming in. Where are they all going to live? Could we convert office space into accommodation? Rental um, crisis. So rental crisis. So Friday, many Friday topics. Frenzy. Lots happens whipped. in a week. Lots happens in a week. Heaps. Love you. Right. See ya.